at parties or any kind of social gathering when Tess Hughes said that she was an embryologist, there was always a palpable pause. Tess could count off on her fingers the spectrum of responses. There would be an anguished look between the couple who were contemplating or had secretly embarked upon IVF. There would be a complacent, self-aggrandising remark by a couple who would assert that they had had no need of intervention as they had conceived their children, frankly almost by looking at each other. Someone else would ask her tentatively, a little awkwardly, whether it felt like playing God, this assembling and disposing of life within the rational parameters of science. Someone else would ask where she stood on abortion or multiple implantations. There would always be a media-fresh story of a woman being attentively delivered of sex tuplets in American Deep South or of a woman aged 58 being allowed to become a mother. And what about embryo disposal? The pro-lifers and Christians would always ask, not necessarily aggressively, but in a way which made her feel called to account. For Tess, explaining what she did was by far the nosiest element of her job. The interface with social strangers more crowded than anything in her daily life. If anyone had asked her, not what she did, but what she loved about it, Tess would not have mentioned aspirations to playing God or bestowing life with a sweep of a pipette, but rather the peacefulness, the calm, soft-lit order, the tone of quiet purposefulness which she felt to be missing from much of everyday life. The atmosphere in the lab was utterly female. The paper was yet to be written on why embryologists were so overwhelmingly women. Perhaps it was to do with having small, deft hands. Perhaps it was the unrelenting, obsessive conscientiousness which made them check, check and check again the source and identity of each component they mixed. Perhaps it was their speedy light-footedness cradling carefully a petri dish or test tube, moving between microscopes and incubators, keeping over at optimum temperatures. So little was dropped, so little crashed to the floor. Even after many years of experience, this still impressed Tess. She and her colleagues moved at a purposeful, careful pace, stood over each other's shoulders while they confirmed the source of samples looked supportively down each other's microscopes to decide whether they too felt that a particular egg was too grainy, too shrunken from its edges to be viable. It was an atmosphere that never failed to move Tess with its gentle, neat collaboration. They were invisible, she and her colleagues, absent from the photos of the doctors holding vernix-caked babies, absent from the staff photographs on the walls of upmarket clinics, and yet they were there, right at the process's heart, stripped of identity in their blue hairnets, their latex-gloved fingers, peering down their microscopes, selecting and introducing, taking care of the embryos. Tess felt so many hopes were compressed into their warm, softly lit lab. The lighting was kept dim to avoid activating the embryos. She loved this detail. She felt it a nod to their future humanity, like infants with a nightlight to placate and calm them. The lab was sandwiched between two operating theatres. To the right of the lab, women lay, knees up, having eggs extracted. To the left of the lab, women lay, knees up, having fused eggs implanted.
In each theatre, Tess felt that she stood like a silent, offering-bearing votive, a high priestess in the religion of fertility. She waited, unobtrusively in the theatre on the right, to be given the eggs taken from a woman. A few days later, she speed-walked to the one on the left with the most viable embryo held in a tube in her hand. In the interim, she felt the ambience around her to be akin to a group of taciturn quilt-making women. Small, delicate, purposeful assays with a needle and speech only when necessary. They did not listen to the radio. That would have been a distraction. Instead, the room was filled with a soft hum of the incubators, the low-level buzz of the backup generator in case of a power cut. Winter or summer, the lab was kept at 37 degrees. Her workspace was blood-warm.